I want to ask your forgiveness this morning for the pain that you endured during our birthday. I want to ask forgiveness for what my people did to your people. And there was a hush in that little church that morning. And the next moment, it was like a dam that burst. Welcome to the All Things Reconciled podcast. We want to thank you so much for joining us today as we seek to inspire and equip you to embody and embrace the ministry of reconciliation in your local context. I'm your host, Jeanette Boom, and with us today is Phil Wagler. Hi, Jeanette. Really good to be with you. The All Things Reconciled podcast is a ministry of the Peace and Reconciliation Network, a commission of the World Evangelical Alliance, representing 650 million evangelical Christians globally. So you're part of a great big family. And we asked the question, if 650 million evangelicals understood that to be Christian is to be a peacemaker and a reconciler, well, what might happen on this earth that is the Lord's and everything in it? So we're glad that you're a part of this. And peacemaking and reconciliation work is the everyday task of every Christian. And so as we charge into this episode, we hope that you're inspired and equipped to live that out in your context. Jeanette, we have a very special guest today, don't we? We do. We have the miracle of a wonderful prayer warrior from South Africa, a rural village, um, and she's made it with us today. Her name is Anna Kay, and we just want to welcome her to our podcast as we explore the prayer movement there as she organized the Pilgrimage of Grace, which was recently held in September in 2022. And that was a series of reconciliation events, which was between two fractured churches, mainly the Dutch Reformed Africans and the Moravian Indigenous South Africans through the South African Christian Leadership Initiative. So as we dive into this, we just want to say thank you, Anna Kay, for joining us. And we are so excited to learn more about your story and how God inspired you to this movement of prayer and reconciliation. Hello, Jeanette and Phil. It's just a wonderful privilege for me to meet together with the two of you and to get to know you and just to give glory to the Lord for what he is doing in our part of the vineyard. Hmm. Amen. Yeah. Annika, tell us a little bit about your story. We'd love to know who are you and what has prepared you for this incredible work that God's put in your lap? Well, Phil, I am a very ordinary woman and a housewife. I used to be a school teacher many, many years ago, and I live on a rural farm, a timber farm in very rural South Africa, close to a town called Mkondo. I'm 57 years old, and I come from a very broken background, broken past, When I grew up, my parents got divorced when I was in high school, and I grew up in this broken home and also in a broken nation because I grew up in the midst of apartheid. Eventually, also many years later, in 1997, my own marriage broke down and was broken beyond repair. There was a third person in my marriage, and I left my husband. And during that time, he got saved and was a changed man. So people prayed for me, and not long after that, I also got saved. Mm. 
we then started the long journey of reconciliation in our marriage. And I learned so much about what true forgiveness, repentance, reconciliation, and healing in Christ means. God showed me the hardness of my own heart and how unforgiving and judgmental I was, especially towards my own father. I definitely did not honor him. And like you know, the word of God says that nothing is impossible to him. And that is true. And it's still true today. God healed me, a very broken person. And then he also healed my marriage. He restored my relationship with my father. And I'm so thankful that I could lead my dad to the Lord before he died in a motor car accident in 2001. And today, I live a very full and abundant life in Christ. And my marriage is strong in the Lord. And Rolf, my husband, is truly my best friend after the Lord, of course. And I also have six wonderful children, two biological children. And then along the years, the Lord gave us four children who we never adopted for various reasons. But they see us as their parents and we see them as our children. Three boys and three girls and two of them are already married. And I'm also grandmother of four beautiful boys. And my ministry today in the Lord is prayer in reconciliation because I know if the Lord can do it for a person and for a marriage, he surely can do it for a nation and for a continent and for that matter for the world. You know, we need to have big faith in the Lord. Uh, our, uh, mm. He said if we had the faith as a mustard seed, we can move a mountain. I, I believe it's truthful. Yeah. Well, it's already very inspiring and encouraging, Annika. And resonate with you as the parent also of six kids. So you you do not have a dull life, that is for sure. Um, no. <laughs> hey, um, one of the things I'm wondering, I mean, there's so much I'm wondering, but what was life like under apartheid that so awakened this in you as you came to know the Lord? And we'll we'll get into the prayer movement that you're a part of, but tell us a bit more of the backstory of what it was like growing up and being a Christian in South Africa in apartheid? Uh, Well, it was a very, very segregated life. And I I actually do think one, I only realized how segregated it was when you're out of it and you look back. And I mean, those days, they were not internet. So we were not exposed to what was going on truly in our own nation, the news The television that came out in 76 in South Africa fed us what they wanted us to believe and to know. And it was just very segregated. And I was a very religious person. I mean, we went to church every Sunday. And I can remember, even as a small girl, that I knew that something was wrong, that we were so white in our churches, because I knew that heaven was not going to look like that. So... I am just so thankful that our, our nation has changed and that we are a democracy today. There's still a lot of pain and brokenness, but there's also a lot of healing and wholeness in the midst of that. Wow. Thank you so much, Anna Kay. 
For our listeners who don't understand, because you were talking about going to church and recognizing that it was mainly white people in your church. And we talked earlier about this pilgrimage of grace, where it was this reconciling event between the Dutch Reformed and the Moravian indigenous South Africans. Can you describe the background between the relationships of those two churches? Well, uh, I think the relationship between those churches goes back about 300 years ago when the very first missionary that came to South Africa that evangelized indigenous people came in 1737 to South Africa. He was a German Moravian and he started baptizing the indigenous people and then the Dutch Reformed Church then got very upset about that, and they put a lot of pressure on this missionary to leave South Africa. Now, of course, the Dutch Reformed Church was mainly white people at that stage, and the indigenous people were Khoi and Sun people. So George Schmidt had to leave, and that injustice that happened more than 300 years ago was never corrected until last year when the head of the Dutch Reformed Church repented in a service to the head of the Moravian Church in a service that we had, and it was just phenomenal. But, of course, that incident was preceded by at least 23 years of really praying. We started with women, ordinary women, praying in in the town that I live, and, and didn't really know that we were praying for this incident, but one a miracle after the other, and years later, it led to this highlight, spiritual highlight of my life, I would say, when this uh, repentance took place. Wow. You said 23 years of praying in the yes. background of this. Tell us a little yes. bit about that, Annika. How did that emerge? Well, well, short, uh, two years after I uh, got saved in 1999, I was so uh, devouring the Word of God, I came across the scripture in John 17 where Jesus Christ prayed and asked the Father to make uh, His disciples and those that would come after them one in Him as Him and the Father and, of course, the Holy Spirit today is one that we would be one. And when I came across that scripture, I realized that that is one prayer that has not been fulfilled. And it doesn't seem as if many people are doing anything about it. And if Jesus Christ prayed it, it must be important. How wonderful if we as believers can take hands, so to speak, with Jesus and pray his prayer with him. And, and that's exactly what I did. I went to my pastor and I said I wanted to start a little prayer group for women. I didn't want to affiliate it with our church because I said then a lot of people will not come. I wanted to interdenominational. So I started this little prayer group and the very first day uh, back in 1999, in June 1999, we were four white women because I did not have any black friends or friends of color at that stage. And we started praying weekly the prayer of Jesus. I didn't even know the scriptures very well. 
didn't really know how to pray. And uh, we just started praying the words of Jesus. And very quickly, the miracles started happening. And uh, the Lord just showed us that we are never allowed to speak against any denomination because we are one body (laughs) and Christ is the head and we cannot speak against our own body. We started inviting some of the pastors to hear their stories in the Lord and we just fell in love with them, you know, in the Lord and started praying with them. And the Lord just did so many things over the years. And uh, two years after we uh, started praying, the Lord really laid on my heart that I needed to break the barrier and go over to the black sisters and ask them to come and join us. And I said to the Lord, Lord, but how? I don't have black friends. And then the Lord reminded me. And for I think it's important also for the listeners to realize that the Lord, if he calls you for something, he prepares you. Many years ago, in the apartheid years, I was a white teacher in a black school. I was the first white teacher locally in a black school. I mean, I can remember the first day walking into that school, one of the black boys jumped up and he said, Madam Raba, I am going to kill you. (laughs) And I was a cheeky young teacher and I just said, well, Anthony, you can try, you know. And later on, of course, Anthony and I became very, very good friends. And he also realized, like I did, that the picture in our minds that all black people are are bad or that all white people are bad was not true. You know, uh, we judge one another without knowing one another. The Lord reminded me that he prepared me. So he said, I knew that I had to go back to that area where I was a teacher during the apartheid years. And I must start a prayer group there because the women knew me. And I went there, of course, they knew me before I was born again. I went there and I said, I'm starting a prayer group, would you come? And, you know, the ladies came because they were very, I I think they wondered what I was doing there, what I was really doing there. So week after week, we prayed together and, you know, but I could feel, I want to say, hatred towards me and the feelings of distrust and criticism and so on. So... As a new Christian, that week I read in the Bible about Daniel, in Daniel chapter 9, where the Israelites were in captivity in Babylon, and the Lord showed Daniel that 70 years after captivity, they would go back to Israel, but he needed to repent on behalf of his people. And one day as I was driving in again to lead the ladies in the Esther group, I also want to say that the white group, carried on on their own. And the second group, the black ladies, I was the only white lady at that stage. I knew as I was driving into town, because we live on the farm outside of town, I knew that the Lord was saying to me, I needed to repent on behalf of my people. That was the day that changed the rest of my life. Because that morning we were about 12 women together. I was the only white woman. And I said to them, we are not going to pray today. I want to do something in obedience to the Lord. I want to ask your forgiveness this morning for the pain that you endured during apartheid. I want to ask forgiveness for what my people did to your people. And there was a hush in that little church that morning. And the next moment, it was like a dam that burst. 
And the lady started crying. And, and I want to say it wasn't crying. It was wailing. They started crying out loud. And the tears were dripping on the floor, literally. And it, it was just so much pain. I wasn't prepared for that. You know, I, I just stood there. I was so shocked. And I just started crying with them. And then I just did what I think any human being would do. I just started holding them one by one by one because the pain was just so deep. And that day, I can remember, I said to them when they quieted down, I said, let's sit in a circle. I want to hear your stories. And then one by one, they told me the most horrific stories. And I mean, if we had time, I could tell you some of those stories. But when I drove home that day, I knew, I said to the Lord, Lord, what can one person do in South Africa? I don't know. But I know that you are the general of the legions. You are the God of the universe. If you will help me, I at least want to help these women, these 10 women, to find healing and to know that not all white people are cruel and racist and terrible. And, you know, God is so faithful. He helped me. And, and, and I want to say, I give the Lord the glory. It's not me. It's God. He, he did so many, many miracles. I mean, I have washed so many feet. I've seen the Lord heal people's hearts. And I want to say to white people listening to this podcast, it is time for white people across the world to maybe just start listening. We are so quick to jump to on the defense, and, and we need to start listening to the stories because when a human being sits in front of you and tells you the story, it's not far away from you anymore. It becomes real. It becomes we have a responsibility as believers, to answer the call of Jesus, to pray for that unity. We also have a responsibility to answer the great commandment, the last commandment where Jesus said, if you love one another, the world will know that you are my disciples. Yeah, uh, that's a mouthful. It's wonderful. It's a great mouthful, Annika. Thank you so much. I'm chewing. I'm chewing this mouthful right now. And I think... I'm not ready to move on, but actually to hear more, I would love to hear a story. If you could think of, I I feel like God has put a specific story of an individual of that moment when, when the dam broke and the wailing occurred, what was that like when you just had, you stood there and you held and you hugged women? Did you, do you have a specific woman's story that you would feel safe to share? Yes. I will share two stories because I can't really decide which one now. So let me start with Auntie Betty. Auntie Betty is with the Lord today. um, And Auntie Betty looked at me with so much hatred in her eyes when she shared a story. And she said to me, Annika, I hate you. And I hate all white people for what was done to me. And then she related the story. She said she was born in Robertson in, Cape, in the Cape Province, which is about 1,600 kilometers away from where we live. 
And she said when she was a small little girl, her mother died and her father remarried and her stepmother gave her to white people when she was 11 years old to work in their house. The problem was that those white people lived about an hour away from where we live today. So it was about 1,500 kilometers away from where she was born. And she said that white lady treated her like rubbish. She said, and I can still remember her words so clearly, she did not even buy me panties, you know, and she cried and she said she earned a five rand a month and she had to send that five rand to her stepmother. So uh, she just had so much pain and hatred for the way that she was abused in that white house, you know, working for them and being accused by the lady of the house that she did all things wrong and so forth. And uh, just to see how the Lord made her free, she became one of the ones that walked in front and would organize things. And she didn't miss one prayer meeting. The Lord truly set her free. We, all, uh, You know, when I heard these stories, I went to some of my white friends and I said, let's do something for these black ladies. I never, never knew that apartheid was so bad. We arranged a camp, a Mary Magdalene camp, where the white ladies would serve the black ladies and wash the black ladies' feet and just love them. And I still have a photo, it's on my desktop, of Auntie Betty at that camp. She started, jumped up and started dancing and I could see the freedom of Jesus on her face. The second story is a story of a, a lady that is still alive today. And I actually see her as my second mother. Her name is Mama Johanna. And Mama Johanna told her story. She said that when she was born in Johannesburg, her father was working somewhere in a rural town. And he was hitchhiking to go and see this a newborn baby. And he was standing next to the road, hitchhiking, when a pickup stopped and it was full of white men. And they grabbed him and they tied him to the back of this pickup and they went. And that's how her father died. You know, <laughs> so, and today, Mama Joanna, uh, like I said, she's closer than a friend. She's like my mother. We just have this bond. We, uh, we love each other so much. We've traveled all across South Africa, we've slept in the same bed. And, you know, it's just the healing and the love, the love that we cannot express in words. And we, we are all come from different denominations. But when we get together in the Esther group to worship the Lord, all the differences, some, some are very educated, some are professors, some, some don't even have an education, can barely read and write. But when we come together in the Christ, some are rich, some are poor, all those things just fall together, you know, fall, falls away. And also, wonderful over the years to have seen how those that have a lot started sharing with those that have very little. So yeah, I, can, I can keep you busy with many, many testimonies. That would be wonderful. If we could uh, sit together on your farm and hear more and more, that would be great. Yes, please come. <laughs> I wonder, Annika, what is this teaching you about the place of prayer and reconciliation? I always say to people, I speak about the three Ps. 
And I mean, I'm a housewife. You don't have to be a pastor to do this. The three P's. And the first P is prayer. God answers prayer. And I mean, if you pray God's word back to him, his word never returns empty. That's the first one, prayer. Prayer is the foundation of what we've done, you know. And the second one is perseverance. We are all called as ambassadors of reconciliation. And it's difficult. It's difficult to be reconciled with people that don't like you, people that look different than you do, that maybe, uh, you know, have a different style of worship. I mean, in South Africa, mostly the white uh, churches are very quiet. And when, when you pray, it's one person at a time. And the black churches are very loud and everyone prays at the same time. So it was difficult those years when we started praying together. And then always just to decide we are focusing on what the prayer of Jesus. And if he prayed, it must be possible. So to persevere, uh, to persevere also when people speak against you and when people don't come to the prayer meeting, to persevere because the word of the Lord says, keep on doing good for the right season, you will reap the harvest. And then the last piece is the power, the incredible power of love. <laughs> love goes beyond death even. I mean, love just, I can't describe that love of God in us that breaks open when we get together in reconciliation. Wow. Thank you so much. I mean, we have the power of prayer, perseverance, and love. And for 23 years, this core group of women with yourself dedicated themselves to this. And then all of a sudden, incredible fruits started popping up everywhere. I mean, within the 23 years, but then that led to reconciliation between the two churches. Can you describe what that looked like? Yes. I just want to say, uh, Jeanette, that the white ladies group and the black ladies group became one Esther group. And then the Lord started opening doors. We, we were invited in our own town the white pastors repented to the black pastors. And then we were invited to the province that I live in, to the parliament of Mpumalanga, where repentance took place for apartheid. Then we went to Soweto, 40 years after the Soweto riots, where a lot of school children were killed, where we could repent there. And then Ganadendal pilgrimage of grace happened where the Dutch Reformed Church repented to the Moravian Church. And what was so wonderful about this reconciliation and repentance was the extraordinary, extravagant grace that was extended by the Moravian Church and the way that they unconditionally just forgave us. For people that are guilty and that have sinned, it is wonderful, wonderful when people forgive you and it sets you free as well. It's not just the victims that are being set free. I also need to mention that in 2017, the Parliament of South Africa invited us to come and to repent in our Parliament for apartheid. And that was also very, very significant because the Land Act of 1913 in South Africa was where people 
overnight became landless. Black people could not own land. And we could repent of all those sins, all those apartheid laws. One by one, we went through that. So, yes, God sees us. He even sees little housewives from rural places in the middle of South Africa. God is faithful. Well, Annika, this is so encouraging. It's also very humbling. And I'm so thankful for the way that you have been obedient to the Lord, but also the way in which you're willing to tell this story. And, you know, the fact that what happened with a handful of women praying together would extend to the neighborhood, another region, even into parliament and then into Soweto. Just one last question here would be, what is the vision that you carry for this beyond South Africa? What what would you want other Christians around the world to dream? I, I would say, Phil, is, can't we become a team as believers around the world, take hands and say, let's really work intentionally, because our reconciliation is intentional, to answer, get this prayer of Jesus answered. And, you know, I think one of the keys to get that going is to really die to the self <laughs> and to die to your own culture and your own color and your own agendas and to really say to the Lord, Lord, become more so that I can become less. There, there's no manual. The manual that we have is the word of God. We just need to get into it. And the Lord uses ordinary people. My, my call today on this podcast would be to the ordinary people. Stand up. Get two or three of your neighbors or, or your family together and start praying. And intentionally go and make friends with those that don't look like you do. Love those that don't look like you do. We need to, and, and I mean, I'm talking to the church now, start in the church so that we will love one another so deeply so that people will look at us and, and be jealous and want what we have. Evangelism will flow out of that. It has flowed out of what we've been doing. I can remember once we went to, uh, I mean, I, we've, we've stayed in many townships in South Africa and washed feet and repented. And I can remember once after we came back, one of the young black men came and he said, I want what you have. And he was baptized. We led him to the Lord. God is faithful. Amen. Wow. Anna Kay, I can't help but be inspired by your story, by how God just uses ordinary people. I mean, Phil, I don't know about you, but I'm ready to leap into my community right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, wonderful. Yes, thank you, Annika. Annika Rava, thank you so much for joining us on All Things Reconciled today. Such a privilege. Thank you, Paul. And thank you, Jeanette. God bless you both. Bless you too. And thank you to our listeners for listening to the All Things Reconciled podcast, which is a podcast of the Peace and Reconciliation Network. And we also want to thank the EFC as well. So please tell your friends and even enemies about this podcast and other great EFC podcasts. 
You can follow PRN on Facebook and donate to this work through the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada using the code WEAPRN or check out our website at reconciledworld.net. Go in peace today. And go make peace every day.